I'm Laura Vinroot Poole. For over 20 years, I've owned Capital, an internationally recognized specialty store in Charlotte, North Carolina. On this podcast, we unlock the stories of people's lives through the stories of what they wore. These aren't conversations about fashion. These are conversations about people. Everybody wants to know her Pascal Harris is the style director for Garden and Gun magazine based in Charleston, South Carolina. Pascal is joining us this weekend on behalf of the magazine to co-host a dinner celebrating the 50th anniversary of Ralph Lauren at our men's store, Tabor. Style played a background role in Haskell's childhood through the women in her life and informed who she is today. In this episode, you'll hear stories of her mother operating a retail shop out of the first floor of their home in Martinsville, Virginia and tales of her over-the-top grandmother who was known to fire off a shotgun while wearing a dress. From this family of unexpected women, Haskell is equally unique in her perspective and has become a great storyteller for all things Southern. Although we spend a lot of time together at events and panels, I've never really gotten to ask you so many questions that I want to know about. (laughs) Will you tell the listeners a little bit about Martinsville, Virginia, and where you're from? There's not much to tell because (laughs) it's very small, but it is in southwestern Virginia between Roanoke, Virginia, and Greensboro, North Carolina. So it's right in that sort of furniture history sweet spot and was a hub for all that for a really long time. And then sort of went another way after NAFTA and all of that, but it is right at the base of the Blue Ridge Mountains and pretty rural and very, very hardworking, everybody that, that lives there. So, And how many generations have been there? I mean, of my family, yeah. um, my dad's whole family is from South Carolina, but my mom's family goes back Oh, gosh, since her Scotch-Irish people came (laughs) over on a boat. So she's definitely a mountain girl and a Virginia girl. She was from Martinsville, but she always dreamed a little bigger and a little, you know, sort of beyond when she was at Stratford. She tried to change her name in the yearbook to Betier Lou and tell everyone that it was a different pronunciation and she was like much more sophisticated than Betty Lou. Is she called Betty Lou? Yeah. Still? Well, everybody calls her Lou or uh, Lulu, but so she's true. Betty Lou. But yeah, she had a huge influence on me because she was always, she was very beautiful, but very like down to earth and very feminine and soft. Like all of the things that she wore were like, you know, long sort of skirts that rustled on the floor with like Eve St. Laurent boots and just a big beautiful belt and she was very petite but like striking she had really light green eyes and very dark hair and I don't know she just had sort of a her the 70s were her best time (laughs) in early 80s her whole look was was good bigger than life yeah. What do you remember her wearing when she worked in the store? Did she dress every day? She always dresses. And makeup and hair all. Not She never wore a ton of makeup, but she always had her hair done. She has fine hair like I do, so she's always trying to make it look like she has more than <laughs> she really has. In my, in my childhood memories of her with, like, the Coke cans and, the <laughs> like, everything at 7 a.m., like, trying to get it to look big. But it never did. It always fell in, like, 10 minutes. You know, my mom would sleep in, curl, like, big curlers. Yeah. I don't know how you – that is so She didn't sleep in them, but she was up, like, doing her <laughs> doing hair. Doing her. But she, she only wore, like, mascara and lipstick. She had really pretty skin, but she was never a big makeup person. But I don't know. She just – 
she was always very graceful and glamorous. Any style lessons you learned from her? I think the most important thing that I learned from her is that there are all different kinds of beauty. And she was very petite and very thin, and I was, like, the opposite of that growing up. And she was always a champion of the fact that you could be beautiful in a hundred different ways. And you just had to kind of, like, find your own way and tell your own story and find the things that made you feel beautiful and things like that. So I love that. Do you have any anything of hers that you treasure that reminds you of her? Yes. She collects English watch fobs. Mm. So I have several of those. I have this ring that I wear on my right hand that she gave me when I graduated from Virginia that looks like an open book. And she told me it was my greatest strength and my greatest weakness and to always remember that. (laughs) So whenever I look at it, I'm like, either button it up or let it loose. So, yeah. Oh, I love that. But her clothes, no. I can look at her clothes. Her clothes are teensy. She had like a 22-inch waist, so that's not My mom, too. (laughs) We grew up in this old Georgian house that she and my dad bought when they were really young and they had no money and they fixed it up room by room it had like 19 rooms and a (laughs) conservatory and all these sort of secret passageways and it was a magical house but was it was it a furniture person's house from no actually it belonged to a dentist way back in the day (laughs) but they were able to get it for a song and she put her retail shop in the first two floors and she she was also an interior designer and she had her fabric workroom and her seamstresses in the basement and we lived on the upper two floors so it was big it was definitely part of the original residential neighborhood of Martinsville when all of the furniture families first built homes there so it, it was one of those original houses and I think it was built probably 1910 somewhere around then to look Georgian but anyway. <laughs> and, and, and do your parents still live there? They don't. When I was about 15, we moved to a farmhouse, which was one of the farms on the outside of town at one point, and they redid that. So they're definitely house romantics. Does the new local dentist live in your old house? Actually, it's a real estate agent's okay. office, which is totally unromantic, <laughs> right. and they did not catch my parents' romantic gene at all with the house. Did you ever work in the store as a child? Oh, yeah. Oh, really? And it was actually kind of wonderful because mom had, you know, all this sort of fine china and antiques, and she would go to New York and buy things, and one of the floors above all the interior stuff was all children's. Oh, wow. So we had this huge stiff lion with a big mane that was sitting up there, and this wonderful, like, fern wallpaper everywhere. I can't remember if it was, like, Cowton and Tout or an old Schumacher or something, but it it went up as high as the high ceilings on that second floor, and it was just filled with, like, clothes for children from Paris and things that you just couldn't, you couldn't find in Martinsville (laughs) anywhere else. (laughs) And so (laughs) we would always, we would get in trouble because we would play with everything that she bought and ask to have it and and all that sort of stuff, and we (laughs) definitely worked downstairs helping customers and things like that, but we could go and see her during the day. We had a a nanny who took care of us, but we could pop down there and ask a question about homework or or whatever else. But we were definitely (laughs) all in there together (laughs) as a family. I love that. Do you have any fashion memories from yourself and a piece of clothing from that? I don't know that mom sold Laura Ashley in the shop, but we certainly were like drenched in it because (laughs) it was like mid to late 80s when I was growing up in Martinsville. And 
My sister is 18 months younger, so we were dressed like twins and Laura Ashley the majority of the time. If I have to remember a specific item of clothing, it would be that. Do you still have some of your Laura Ashley? Oh, yeah. yeah. She has it all (laughs) packed away with, like, tissue paper and the whole the whole thing i've also heard about your maternal grandmother and that she was quite a character Um, she definitely was and she was referred to as mother martin i think Mm -hmm. tell me about her where was she from she grew up literally in a holler in the blue ridge mountains called philpot and her last name was philpot and the entire like clan was from that area philpot ph or philpot f philpot ph i l with two t's at the end (laughs) She was definitely a character. She she had lots of contradictions. She was very glamorous, but she was also like really gritty and could be coarse and like she had <laughs> she had a little high and a little low going on all the time. Like for example, when we were kids, we nicknamed her Grambo because <laughs> she had a this huge garden where she grew all of her vegetables behind the swimming pool where we would swim and come over to her house and play. And she would make us all get out of the swimming pool. <laughs> And she would be standing there in her, like, Lily Pulitzer, like, swimming dress. Not a bathing suit. The swimming dresses that she used to make. But, like, her hair in a French twist, blonde, blue eyes. And she was a crack shot. And she would shoot over the pool after we got out of it and, like, sh- like hit a squirrel or whatever it was in the vegetable garden. And then she'd be like, okay, y'all can get back in. And we would all run back and jump in the pool. So she was, like, just... A- a bundle of contradictions for sure oh I love it what did, yeah. what did she wear was she she was always my mom was subtle and graceful my grandmother was over the top <laughs> she had the hair the all of the jewelry all of the time she wore really beautiful suits and just like everything was vivacious and loud and tailored beautifully and I have one of her coats it was back when we actually had winter in the right. south and I have a Vicuna coat oh, that's wow. blue that I am going to wear to tatters really and truly. I've got to get the lining I was going to say, it's in good shape? It's in great shape. It even has her monogram sewn in it still oh. in the lining. But it's I've worn it so much that I'm ruining it. <laughs> I, need, I need to have it worked on. But she just she had interesting taste for someone who didn't travel all that much yeah I think she traveled via her clothes yeah. and her jewelry and that sort of thing what's your favorite mother martin tale and did you call did you call her mother martin no we called her granny martin granny my martin. grandfather came up with that nickname because she had so many children she had seven <laughs> my mom's the oldest oh, so he yeah. would be like mother martin <laughs> you know when we would all sit down to dinner I don't know there's so many memories associated with her but a lot of them have to do with this limousine that she had <laughs> So back then, they didn't have, like, minivans or expeditions or anything like that. When you had a lot of kids or Suburbans, well, she got a limo, a Cadillac limousine. (laughs) And they would all get in it. And they all, all the girls rode horses and had ponies and all this stuff. And they had this miniature pony named Red Cloud that would actually ride in the car with the kids with its head hanging out the window and the mane blowing. For real. (laughs) There's actually a picture somewhere in the Life magazine archives of all of them in the Cadillac. And we have yet to find it, but it was at her house when we were growing up, and something's happened to it. But (laughs) on the way up here, I was talking to my mom about her, and she told me a story that I hadn't heard before where she took the limousine, dug up a magnolia tree in her yard that she didn't want anymore, 
tied a chain around it, pulled it out of the ground with the Cadillac <laughs> limousine, tied it to the car, and drove it to my parents' house, and they planted it in their yard. And, they were, and my mom's like, Mother, what am I supposed to do with this tree? And also, how did you get it from Grattan Road to here? And, and did how you, is it still like right, in one piece? I know. And it lived, and it became huge, and I used to climb it all the time. That is hilarious. So she was quite something. <laughs> I know that her fashion also really influenced a big decision in your life. Yeah. Your wedding dress. Yes. So tell me, what did she wear for her wedding and how did it influence you? When she got married, it was right at the end of World War II. And there, the way that she always explained it to me, I don't know if this is entirely true, was that there was a shortage of fine materials, especially from France, a lot of, in Italy, the lace and a lot of the things that were used to make really nice wedding dresses just mm. weren't available. And it was sort of in bad taste because it was it right. had been such a horrible time for everybody that you didn't want to be showy. Not to mention the fact that everybody was falling in love and it was so romantic <laughs> and quick and everybody wanted to get married quickly. So she wore a suit and they went to the courthouse and then... In Martinsville. In, well, actually they got married in Roanoke because okay. my grandfather was from Roanoke. He had been on the island of... Tinian and worked on the Manhattan Project. He was an engineer, and we didn't find that out until much later. But, <laughs> so um, my grandfather was a—he was a code breaker. Wow. And, yeah, but we didn't find that out until right. he died. until so much crazy. later. Yeah. And they, they did not talk about it. But when he got back, he was—he fell in love with my grandmother immediately at this coffee shop in Roanoke, and they started having children. And so, how did it influence your dress? When I got married, I had seen a lot of huge southern weddings including my younger sister's <laughs> wedding and I think that they are beautiful and wonderful traditions but they were just not me and my dad has always called me his bohemian child and I <laughs> I don't know there was just there's something about making it about the two people that are getting married and making that pact with each other that is so much more important than all of the people that you might invite I, I have that in common with you because yeah. I eloped also. Yes. <laughs> and my, my dad was running for governor, and I just could see this, you know, 800-person wedding because you, you, that's what it would have been, and I just – it's just so not me. Yeah. And the fact that it was just the two of us is the most honest thing I've ever done in my life. I me think. too. Yeah. I, and everyone asked me if I regret it, and I, oh, it's like this emphatic – no, not it was one minute. The, no, it was the most amazing day. Plus, I'm very type A. I would have been oh, so yeah. miserable Nightmare. as a bride. <laughs> like, they, everyone is so lucky that I chose <laughs> the route that I chose. I spared everyone, like, lots of drama. Well, I, my dad really, I think he cried every time he saw me for, like, a year. And then, <laughs> and then we went to this wedding, and it was somebody's wedding here in Charlotte, and it was, it was like a thousand people. And my yeah. dad said... I want you to know you really did the right thing. This yeah. is crazy. This is not what it's about. It's, it's not. Yeah, and it, and also, I think my uncle said, you know, it's not how you get married. It's how you live your life. Right. Uh, I've been married 21 years. That is so amazing. It's, it works so far. Where did you go on your honeymoon? <laughs> we went to Italy, but we went six months later. We went to yeah. Lake Como. Cool. Yeah. So did you tell your parents when you, or did you tell them after? Yes, and they're still furious. Well, my dad's told not. My dad's after very. After or before? I told them that I was going to do it before. I told them that he had proposed and we were going to go to the courthouse in like two days. And your dad was sort of like, yeah, right. My dad, well, no, my dad was like, high five. Oh, really? And my mom was furious. My sister was furious. My All of my mom's sisters were mad. Yeah. My mother-in-law was furious. I have a little sister, too, and she had a really beautiful big wedding, and I think I felt the same thing that I thought, you know, they we can have that family wedding. She can knock it out right. for y'all. Right. We, we don't need to have do that it twice. Experience. Yes, exactly. 
and tell me what you wore. Well, I didn't have very much time to get it together, so I wanted to wear something that looked a little bit like a suit, possibly, but I didn't want to wear a suit, so I found this sheath that was Tibby, and it was Amy Smilovich. She's from St. Simons, Georgia. I thought that was sort of cool. I found this sheath that she made. Was it ivory? It was ivory. Uh And then I had these vintage sort of block heels that were suede, and they tied that looked sort of old school and that was a something blue and then I don't know I've always loved the the old school idea of corsages and Mm -hmm. that sort of thing and so I had a friend boutonnieres boutonnieres (laughs) all of that but it done in sort of like a I don't know breaking the rules kind of way so I had this I had a florist friend in Charleston just whatever I think she had I can't remember what the flowers were but I was like whatever your biggest bloom is if you can get it to like attach to something and just meet me at the salon that would be great and she tied it to my hand and oh, off I went pretty. so that was really it I didn't wear much jewelry or anything I didn't do a big makeup but you had an engagement ring Yes. So that was from Krogan's, which is in downtown Charleston, and it is such a throwback, lovely, family-owned jewelry store. And the first time that I went with Marshall, he took copious notes and kept (laughs) them in his wallet and then went back and got the, the ring that we had talked about many, many months before. So that was pretty special. And since then, I think you've changed it a little bit. I have. So my mom had two wedding rings that one she lost and one was stolen when I was in the hospital when I was born when she took her rings off so her third wedding ring (laughs) from my dad was all of these wonderful stacked emerald and diamond bands so she gave me two as you know just sort of to have something that was from my family and then Christina Jervy who is a jewelry designer in Charleston made two gold bands so uh, to stack all together with the engagement ring so pretty you tend to gravitate towards clothing and interiors, I think, with soul. Did this come from your parents' hobby of buying old houses and restoring them? Yes. I have so many memories associated with houses, and that it definitely comes from both of them. My dad always told stories about this plantation that his mother grew up on in Sumter, South Carolina. It has a terrible name. It's Needwood, which it sounds like... <laughs> It needs some help or something. But (laughs) the way he described it was just so magical. And he remembered it through a child's eyes. So when he was telling those stories, it just seemed like this fairy tale or something. And he also grew up going to Litchfield because his uncle owned it before they developed it. So to hear him talk about being at Litchfield before (laughs) it was Litchfield. Yeah. It was just, it's so wild. the castle was there. Yes, and like going out (laughs) into the rice paddies with his (laughs) uncle to hunt. I mean, it's just, it was really, really interesting to hear about all of those things. But when they got married, my mom and dad got married, he and his best friend, Robert Haskell, who I'm named after, Mm -hmm. that he worked in the newspaper business with, they went and looked at land, and they found a piece of property that was in Woolwine, Virginia, which is named after a type of apple up there. There was like a a tobacco curing house, I guess, sitting on the land. And dad, he bought it, and then he built a farmhouse around that for my mom Mm. as sort of a late wedding (laughs) present, I guess, to her. And so we grew up going there. Every weekend, we had friends up there. He eventually built, like, a stone dock and a lake, and there were natural, like, limestone waterfalls and rock slides and things behind it. There was even, like, an abandoned mining community, like, back in the woods. (laughs) I mean, it was – 
talk about like magical and and full of soul and stories and spooky things and it was it was wonderful to grow up going up there and How he far literally from home was it 45 minutes okay so just a little bit cooler and a little bit removed yeah. from your everyday but um it was just so cool to see something that my dad actually built with his own hands yeah you grew up in historic houses and and with furniture did it turn you off from that or did it make you well sometimes my mom when she comes to visit <laughs> she says that well, it's certainly a look <laughs> because it's just so different from anything. I love that um, <laughs> that she would ever do. <laughs> My but, mom says that about clothes, but not yeah, about furniture. <laughs> That's so funny. But she, you know, she grew up in Virginia, which is way, way more formal than I would ever yeah. want to live. And so I have bits and pieces of that kind of idea, but I'm just much more casual and laid back than she is yeah like she doesn't understand why I don't press my sheets like, <laughs> every week I'm like well because you don't have full, I, full-time staff right I don't have help. full staff and I don't have time but that's a lovely idea and I love <laughs> sleeping on them when I come here <laughs> um is there a, is there an object or a piece of furniture or clothing that you that you own that has the most soul or that coat is is up there but my mom also has this necklace she always liked charms so the fobs are one of those things but she had a it was a tiny bird cage that was turquoise and gold. And when we were little and we would like, you know, lay on her chest to fall asleep, she would say, "Can you hear the angels singing Aww. inside?" It was like a little church. it was sort of a bird cage or a church. So she was like, "Can you hear them?" Aww. And then later she gave me that charm, so I still have that. And, and I was it on a It's just on a little it? a chain. Oh, it's really un- turquoise and gold is really unusual. Yeah, exactly. And it it was sort of it had little gold sort of mesh windows, sort of Moroccan looking. Oh, I love. It's cool. Where do you shop for vintage and antiques in the South? There is a wonderful sort of conglomerate of antiques dealers called 214 Modern. Mm-hmm. In, it's based really in High Point all of the time, but they once a year all of those dealers travel and present all of their best things mm-hmm. uh, during furniture market, and it's pretty incredible. I mean, it's everything you could possibly think of from – you know, Georgian things to like seventies pedigree, hmm. modern things. So it's it's pretty incredible, and the and the artwork is also phenomenal. Your job does it include interiors? When they hired me at Garden and Gun at the very beginning, they needed with all of the sporting and all of the the artisans and everything else that they talked about, all of the literary stuff. They really needed like a feminine counterpoint to all of that. Uh, otherwise, you wouldn't be really depicting the South correctly. So I've always covered style in this in a broader sense, yeah. not anything truly specific, but we've always covered houses, we've always covered makers, we've always covered art and furniture and anything that's related to style remotely. Sometimes a little too remotely. I'm like, is this really a southeast? But um, what does make something style, I guess. Right. And sometimes it ends up being more lifestyle or more of a, right. you know, a profile of someone as a person than a true like fashion piece. I would not say we are ever going to be a fashion magazine at all. <laughs> We're just but do you lifestyle? I, magazine. I think you. I think seems growing up kind of in interiors world, and then you started your career at Cottage Living. I did. Have you enjoyed the the actual fashion part, the clothing, jewelry? I have because it's so similar. And actually, when I first started thinking about magazines, I thought about fashion but I don't know I wanted to do something that had even more 
soul and I'd always loved homes because they were about beauty but they were also where people made their lives Mm -hmm. and so that's why I chose to start in interiors and in shelter magazines but it really is all so related it's basically the same thing it's just a different yes and cooking everything it's just a different iteration of it so yes I've I've loved it and I would love to do more of it with um, G&G I know that that we might be doing more coming down the pike and like we did one shoot in New Orleans that was so fun to do. We did one in the Delta that was great. We did one with John Batiste in New York that I loved doing. We were shooting him on the subway, like, you know, busking and all that. That was pretty neat. <laughs> but I'd love to do more. You recently had a baby. Yes. Wally. Yes. Uh, how did his birth change your sen- sense of self, I guess, and your sense of style? Well, I wear dresses all the time now because <laughs> it just involves one piece right? and getting out the door really quickly. Um, well, plus- the problem, I came to work today without my dress zipped because nobody was home. So <laughs> to I had- help you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's usually printed because I can spill things on it. You would never know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it ch- it's changed my life in so many ways, and we did not think we were going to ever be able to have a child, so it was... Was totally shocking to find out that we were going to have one. But speaking um, of when you when you eloped, though, didn't everybody think you were? Oh yeah, for the they whole absolutely year? they were like for the whole year. They kept on looking up. at your stomach. Yes, <laughs> me too. They, they definitely were. My dad's like, you know, they all think you're pregnant, right? And I'm like, yep. I, I had an eight year pregnancy because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's basically what I had too. But he's I don't know. I'm so I was so selfish before. I'm still selfish. I need to work on that. But. He's he's made me much less so because you just you when you as someone needs you that much, it's easy to help them. Yeah, know? it was hard at the beginning, but I've gotten used to all of the different routines. And he is a very laid back baby, and I don't know how that happened because I'm really <laughs> neurotic, and so is my husband. <laughs> They say that you get what you deserve. <laughs> well, hopefully that's that's good then because he is very, very chill. Was he handed down any traditional Southern, like Feltman brothers or anything from you? You're just, you're <clears throat> one of two girls. You're yes. six sisters. So, so, but did your mom have any things from the store? She did. She had a few like beautiful little sweaters and things for my brother, but a lot of, I was, I thought she was going to have more, but she told me that when I was in high school, we had a house fire, uh-huh. and it destroyed part of the house, and part of the house had some of our clothes and things in right. it that she had saved, so we lost some of those. Some of the, the Laura Ashley survived. <laughs> Thank God. But, but some of my brother's stuff didn't, like toys and whatever, but Southerners, uh, Southerners really, and, and your family did, obviously, as well, dig deep into their family to name their children. Tell yeah. me about Wiley, where, where his name came from. So Wiley is named after my dad's side of the family. There's several men on that side that have Wiley in their first or their middle or their last name. The one the person in particular was Marion Wiley Harris, so he's named after him. But I loved growing up and having kind of a different name and I didn't want to have it just be sort of generic and not memorable. And I just love the word Wiley, like just mm-hmm. sort of mischievous. And he has this <laughs> Irish last name, McKinney. So Wiley McKinney. Oh, and he's so cute. <laughs> he is cute. He gets so, <laughs> he gets cuter every day. I just, I love him so much. He's so cute. And your, I mean, your name is, you, you told me your name is 
named after your dad's best friend. Yes. Yeah. And my sister's named after my dad's other best friend. Really? And they all knew my mom really well, too. So oh, I love that. She got some say <laughs> in the name picking, too. We've been talking a lot about Southern heritage at Capitol. I think you're the right person to ask. <laughs> <laughs> what piece of clothing do you find to be quintessentially Southern for women? Honestly, it's probably the silk scarf mm. because there's so much history in the way that they are made the way that the illustrations are turned into a textile and they're like wearing a painting so I feel like so many southern women whether you're older or you're younger figure out ways to wear them in really interesting well and southerners love to tell a story they do they absolutely <laughs> and they love do. the drama and I feel like you know beyond that that most southern women have and men too they have a signature they have something that they always do, that they're known for, beyond just, like, one thing that might be Southern. They have this identity that is their own style. And so for some, some one person, it might be a fragrance. For another, it might be the watch fobs on yeah. a chain. For someone else, it might be coats, like my grandmother. I don't know. But it's something that you associate with that person. Yeah. Are there any historic retail businesses in the South that you think were the most influential? And did y'all, in Martinsville, I imagine you traveled to, to shop as well? We did. Mom took us to New York all the time because she had interior design clients up there. And so that's where we would go to shop for clothes and where she would go to get ideas for her shop and how to merchandise things. So she was always dragging us through really <laughs> dusty antiques places and the, you know, the Diamond District, even. She wanted us to learn about jewelry and the Garment District and all of that stuff and, and Bergdorf's. And I remember <laughs> even, like, chocolate shops. She wanted us to understand, like, that there was a an art behind everything that was beautiful and that Martinsville was not the only place in the world that existed. <laughs> we did have a really lovely department store, like a lot of mm. small southern towns. Yeah. It was called Globeman's, and it had a little escalator. And oh. It was marble, and, you know, it was very, oh, fabulous. very, very reminiscent of, like, the old Lord and Taylor in New York or something. I love it. Did it have the pneumatic tube? Yes. Where they, do you not love that? Yes. And it's <laughs> just sitting there empty now. And the story the sun. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. And, it, and, the, and the floor had the marble with the yep. inlay, the name. And like the, the beautiful, like, glass display cases. Oh. And, you know. And it's still there? All that. It's still there. I might need to go buy those and cases. It, <laughs> and it had an ice cream parlor in oh. the very bottom where we had all our birthday oh, parties. And fabulous. Stuff. It was really cool. When did you shop? Just Easter and Everything. back to school? Christmas. We went there all the time. I mean, oh. every all of our Christmas. I remember going with my dad, and he never knew what to get my mom for Christmas. And <laughs> we were like, well, let's just buy her makeup. And I remember going <laughs> to the makeup counter. We literally bought every color <laughs> lipstick that they had because my dad had no idea what he was doing. And we were like, thank you. Just sort of clean sweep at Globeman's. Did your mom wear perfume? Always the same one. Wait, that's, that's sort of Southern. Shalimar. Yeah. Shalimar? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is, that's a big personality to yes. carry that off. And everything she owns smells, smells like, like Shalimar. <laughs> yes. What about your grandmother? Did she wear perfume? She wore, the, well, she wore two. She wore a mix of Giorgio, which is like <laughs> so strong. Oh, God, remember And that? Chanel Number no. 5. Both really strong That's and so very rose-focused. Yeah. Her coat still smells like that, too. But isn't that funny that <clears throat> how much that tells you about what kind of People, I mean, you can almost see them just mm-hmm. thinking of the fragrance. That's amazing. My mom was trying to be more exotic, and my grandmother was just, like, very loud. She was like, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
and George Young should have never five. <laughs> yeah, like mixed together. <laughs> what do you think uh, is the most classic Southern meal? The most classic meal is eating supper, not dinner, on a screen porch <laughs> in the summer and just having it all be almost all vegetables. All from your garden, mm-hmm. your grandmother's garden. Or from a farmer's market yeah. or something, but just like making a meal out of like sliced tomatoes and Vidalia yeah. onions and Absolutely. cucumbers and all of that sort oh, of stuff. Yum. And then like blackberry cobbler or something afterwards. Oh my God. Is your mom a good cook? She is, but my grandmother was better. <laughs> yeah. My mom was like way too busy and into her career to cook a whole yeah. lot. But. Did your grandmother cook for y'all or you had, did the nanny cook? The nanny cooked sometimes, but my grandmother always had supper on Sundays. Mm -hmm. And because she had so many kids, she was used to making like an army full of food. (laughs) (laughs) So we would all go over there and try to, try to eat all of it. She would either do breakfast or supper. I love it. When describing Southerners, you often use the word pride. Were you always proud of where you were from? And was there a certain moment in your life when you recognized that you were actually Southern? I've always worn it on my sleeve, and I never understood why people wanted to hide that they were Southern. Particularly in New York, I had a lot of friends that moved there after college, and it was this sort of like, I don't know, not a good thing. Lost their accent. Right. Lost their (laughs) accent, pretended to be something that they weren't. And I don't know. I've just, I've always been very proud of it because I think that it is a place to be proud of. And I think there are a lot of things that have happened here that are not things to be proud of. But there's so much good that I think it's worth, you know, being proud of those things that are good. And it's one of the only places in the country, maybe the world, I feel like, but in the country that is its own place. I mean, there's the simulacra sort of doesn't hit us that we we are ourselves. We are really different. We are foreign. We're, I mean, nobody is like us, you know? Right. And we're, <laughs> I mean, we're a very young country, but the South in particular is such a mixture of you know, dozens of different cultures from around the world, and it's the oldest part of the United States. So there is more history and there is more culture because it's older. So, and it is such a mashup of of different influences that it's different from California and it's different from from Texas. It's It's different different from from New York. (laughs) I went to boarding school up north, and that for me was the moment where I actually realized I was from the South, (laughs) you know, because you just, I mean, that's why I was asking if there was a moment when you recognized it because you went to UVA and, Mm -hmm. but I remember, I want to say the first day of school at Andover, somebody (laughs) said, oh, you're from, you're from North Carolina. I know somebody from Texas. Do you know? Right. Y'all know each other. (laughs) And I was like, that's so stupid. But I think I actually did know the person. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which, (laughs) Wow. Well, the South is like that, too. Exactly. It's like six degrees of separation, even if it's six states over. (laughs) No, I realized that I was Southern on a high school trip to Spain. Yeah. Again, my mom was always, like, trying to get me out of my homebody state. I was sitting at a restaurant and trying to explain that I needed a fly swatter. And I don't even know if you can understand what I'm saying because my accent is so thick. (laughs) I got it. But, (laughs) But everyone was like, what? And everyone on my trip was not Southern, and they could not figure it out. I had to say it like 70 times. Was it the fly part or the swatter part? It, it was the thing together. It was like floss, water. Like, they just could not decipher at all. And I had to draw it. I was like, you know, you hit, and they were like, oh, my God, you're such a hick. But, 
That's that's really what I knew. But I had a professor who I love named John Shelton Reed at Chapel Hill who said, you have to leave in order to know that you miss it almost. Yeah. You know, that it's the people that are sort of on the fringe that are on their way out or one foot out the door kind of thing that really, really love it and appreciate it. And, and he went to boarding school, I think, up north also. And so I think that was his moment. And he made a career on... You know, studying this out. My sister has her master's degree in Southern culture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. I know. We traveled a lot like you did, and I think that it made us love it so much. Well, yeah, it kind of had the reverse effect that my mom was Right, hoping. exactly. I became, like, even more introverted and more of a homebody and never <laughs> wanted to leave. And she had to, like, pull me onto the airplanes to, like, get me to go to all these trips and stuff. <laughs> what did you wear to the prom? What did I wear to the prom? Oh my god, it's so horrible. <laughs> it was I had very shellacked hair. I remember that. Shellac um, high or shellacked? Shellacked everywhere. <laughs> and I again, it was somebody trying to make it look bigger and like I had more than I really did, and it was just awful. Story I, of my I, life. I looked like sixty-five, <laughs> really. And I think I wore mauve. It was true. It was truly horrible. It was like the exact same color as the veins that you could see through my white skin. <laughs> It was horrible. Where did you buy it, and did your mom help you? Like, well, tell me. I would not say that high school was, or really college, was my finest fashion time. <laughs> I really didn't come into my own until I started working and, like, understanding all of that a bit better. I was very well-dressed as a kid, but I went through a very awkward stage. So I, I don't think my mom helped me, and that's probably why <laughs> I looked like that. And it was during the 90s, so it was very, like, grunge. Uh-huh. Did you go to Globeman's? No. I think I went in a rebellion to Greensboro or something to like, I don't know, some department store up there with like <laughs> not really a brand name. It was, it, there's not really a good story there. Uh, well, in, in what, it's <laughs> not only mauve, but like, what did, what did it do? Did it have sleeves? Was it, was it, was it, it had like no, shape. was it in a fabric? <laughs> it was sort of chiffon maybe, but I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even go there. Like it was really horrible. It looked like something Winona Ryder would have worn. I love that. That's really cool. I don't know. It was like, it was very 90s. And I had like very dark lipstick. Uh, it does sound really Winona forever. <laughs> it really, it was like that. And Except it didn't quite make sense because she would have probably not done anything to her hair and, yeah. you know, just had the strong lip. I had like a bouffant plus <laughs> the 90s situation. It was In not jewelry, good. jewelry, do you remember? I don't think I wore any. Shoes? Maybe a choker. <laughs> Definitely a choker. <laughs> Maybe like some hideous platform. I don't know. I just remember it being. You really blocked it out. So bad. This is the first time in my career I've heard somebody really block it out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I did. Prom was not a highlight. Did your date have a matching mom? Oh, Lord. Cummerbund and tie? Probably. It, yeah, or yes. And or bow tie. A mauve bow tie was probably <laughs> happening. I don't even remember who my date was because I went to a tiny private school in Martinsville. How many kids in your class? Literally, I graduated with 12 people. It's lucky (laughs) that I made it out and got a job. He actually went to the public high school because I think... You had to do that. Yeah, like every every other kid was taken because there were only 12 of us. Well, and especially if you're going to do the (laughs) Winona Ryder look, you probably needed a public school. Yeah, I went through kind of like a skater (laughs) night. I don't know. It was not good. I love it. Thank you so much for talking to me today. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. What We Wore is produced by Capital and Balto Creative Media. The original song, Someone So Enchanting, 
was composed and performed by Britt Drazda. What We Wore is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com.